Our youngest son, Connor, can tell the story of his own birth, which is funny because he wasn't there. Well, I mean, he was, and he wasn't. When it was time for us to pack our bags and head to the hospital, the two older kids were already teenagers, and it was almost midnight, and those two teenagers were still wide awake. One had just come home from a party, and the other was on the computer in a chat room. Back then, home computers were on dial-up landlines, and so we had to shout, Get off the computer! We have to call the hospital! Connor can tell you every detail. How his mom shouted at his dad to put his pants on and get in the car. But the key to that story is the two teenagers standing on the front porch cheering and chanting and jumping up and down as we drove away to give birth to their little brother. This story is part of our family lore, and we often repeat it because it tells us something about who we are as a family. Sometimes we all tell the story together. No, then this happened, and I love it when Connor corrects the details of the story, even though he wasn't born yet when it all happened. Today, we look at the book of the Bible named Luke. Luke also tells a story that he didn't witness himself. And this particular story has profoundly shaped his life. Luke tells the story of Jesus. But Luke is a second or maybe even a third generation Christian. He was not an eyewitness to any of the stories that Jesus tells or any of the miracles that Jesus performs. Luke wrote more of the Bible than any other single person. Luke wrote this first story about the life of Jesus called Luke, and then he also wrote the book of Acts, the story of the early church. It, well, it's really one story in two parts. First, the story of Jesus, and then the story of the spirit of Jesus as it lived on in the people in the book of Acts. In the coming weeks, we will look at the five windows on the south wall of our sanctuary. Four of these windows are about the four Gospels, Luke, Matthew, John, Mark, and the last one up by the balcony is the Paul window. When you come into the sanctuary, these five windows form a wall of blue glass that takes your breath away. I love walking through here in the late afternoon when the setting sun in the west shines through and casts blue light across the room. At, at first, all these windows, they look the same, which makes sense because three of the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, are basically the same. We even call them the synoptics, meaning sameness, because they are quite similar in content. Jesus was born, he taught, he healed, worked miracles, and then Jesus was arrested, crucified, buried, and rose again to new life. That's the story that they all tell. But each of the Gospels also has its own slant on what all that meant. For example, Luke adds 13 parables that none of the other Gospels mention. So when these windows were crafted in the 1940s, someone had to decide, what 
stories best capture the uniqueness of each gospel. Even in a very large window like this one, you cannot tell every story in Luke. And what one verse would you say captures the essence of the entire gospel of Luke's good news? At the top of the window, Luke holds a book and a pen, and the verse on the open book reads, Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Well, if it had been up to me, I would have picked an easier verse than that. It's a heavy one. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. What does that mean? Does it mean that if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven? Surely not. It isn't a quid pro quo, not a tit for tat. It doesn't say forgive so that you will be forgiven. No, it says and forgive and be forgiven. This passage comes from the verse, verses that we heard read to us this morning from Luke chapter 6. But listen to the words in context. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It's really repeating the same message over and over. All of it is an elaboration of the first part of it where it says, be merciful, just as God is merciful. But that word mercy, it means compassion. A word that we can better understand, I think. The call is for us to be compassionate towards others as God has been compassionate towards us. But stories, stories shape us even more, I think, than words. And so the windows tell stories. In this window, we see stories about relationships, relationships in a family, relationships with friends, relationships with enemies. The center story depicts Jesus visiting with Mary and Martha, his dear friends. But I'd like to focus on the other two stories, which are the parables Luke tells. And you know the parables. You don't even have to be Christian to know these stories from Luke. They are just part of common lore. On the left, we have the story of the prodigal son. And at the top, the father waiting for his son to come home below the son falling down at his father's feet as he is welcomed back home after spending his last dime. It's really the story of all of us who need to come home to God and ask for forgiveness because all of us wander off from time to time and all of us find God waiting to welcome us home when we come back empty-handed and ready to begin again. On the right is the story of the Good Samaritan. The word Samaritan is often used to name hospitals or counseling centers or even not-for-profit agencies that are set up to care for the poor. And, and because we use the word this way to name something wonderful, we often forget that a Samaritan was considered a bad person, an outsider, a foreigner, a person to be suspicious of. And yet, in the parable of the Good Samaritan, we see that the priest and the Levite translated for 
today's parlance, the good church elders and the preachers and the professors of Bible all passed by and left a man hurting in the ditch. But the Samaritan reached out and lifted him up and carried him to a hotel and paid for his recovery with his own money. It is the Samaritan who did God's compassionate healing work. It is the Samaritan who poured out the compassion of God. And so we have on the left a moment when we have all been treated with compassion, when we have all been forgiven. And we have on the right a moment when we have been asked to forgive another, to extend compassion, to offer mercy. I like the way Eugene Peterson translates this part of Luke. He says, live out this God-created identity the way God lives towards us generously and graciously. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind. You be kind. Do you hear it? God's story shapes our story. Jesus places all of our relationships, our most intimate relationships with family and our most public relationships with strangers and enemies in the light of our relationship to God. That's what Brian and Caroline did. Brian was a cop. He guarded the United States Capitol, and he was always stationed at the metal detector where Caroline entered the Capitol to go to work. Caroline worked in communications for one of the senators. They liked to trade stories about how they spent their off time. They both loved the outdoors. Caroline loved to go boating, and Brian loved to go fishing. But in 2016, they started ribbing each other and poking fun at each other because Brian planned to vote for Donald Trump, and Caroline planned to vote for Hillary Clinton. On the day after the election, Caroline came to work. She was devastated. Brian opened the door wide for her to enter. He did not joke around. He did not gloat. He didn't speak at all. Brian embraced Caroline as she sobbed in his arms. Caroline told this story recently. She said, he held me. He held me up as I cried. And this past week, Caroline was the one crying as Brian suffered fatal injuries in the attack on the United States Capitol. Do you hear? Do you hear the story of Luke's gospel there? Be compassionate as God is compassionate. Forgive as you are forgiven. As God has embraced each of us with tender mercy, so we can embrace one another with tender mercy. In the Gospel of Luke, we hear story after story about how Jesus broadened the boundaries of who God loves. We hear again and again how God embraces the poor. And we hear Luke use the word repentance 25 times, more than any other writer of the Gospels. This theme of repentance and forgiveness plays out again and again. We turn around and we come home to God's compassionate embrace 
and we are then filled with God's energy to extend that same compassion and forgiveness to others. Sometimes it is the person we are closest to that we need to offer compassion and forgiveness. One of my guilty pleasures is to read those articles in national newspapers about unique weddings. Sadly, many of those articles ceased during the COVID shutdown. But in December, I read again about a very unique wedding. Laura, a physician, and Hal, a professor, got married 19 years ago, but only in a religious ceremony. It was never actually legal. Laura traveled to Nigeria in her role as a physician, and she learned that mothers and babies often died simply because when they came to the rural clinic to give birth in Nigeria, the power might be out for as long as 12 hours. She came home and described the problem to Hal, and Hal designed a solar suitcase that would keep the power on, and the death rate went down in those Nigerian villages by 70%. Lara became well-known, a hero of sorts, always traveling and doing good. But her relationship with Hal and their daughter was fraying. So a couple of years ago, they decided something had to happen. And they began to practice Sabbath. One day a week, they would not work at all, just spend time together. It was helpful. And then COVID came, and all the traveling and all the speaking and all the frenetic pace came to a crashing halt. And Hal and Laura, they fell in love again. And so they decided to get legally married. Laura said, I'm ready to recommit. This, you see, this is repentance. This is forgiveness. This is offering the compassion that God has offered to us when we have run away from God back to the world by loving a husband, loving a daughter, loving a wife. Our Luke window is placed first, even though it was not the first gospel written. But maybe it's here first at the front because Practicing the compassion of God to those around us is the first and most important calling. This window is dedicated to our first pastor, George Hamilton Combs. It says, a noble soul. Dr. Combs, he was a famous preacher throughout the United States of America. He pastored Independence Boulevard Christian Church here in Kansas City for 27 years. And during the end of his tenure there, he was sent to World War I to serve as a chaplain. And when he came home from World War I, he was a different person. He has written that he was absolutely stunned by the carnage of war. Oh, he, he wasn't fighting. He was serving as a chaplain, but, but he was caring for the wounded, and he saw the devastation. In the evenings, as night fell, Dr. Combs would sit around a campfire with other clergy, including rabbis and priests and ministers from other traditions and from other countries, and together they dreamed of designing a better world. He was changed by that war. 
there he experienced the compassion and the tender mercy of God. And when he came home to step back into the pulpit, he was horrified. He was horrified because he he looked out into the pews and he saw that the people were not ready to change the world with him. And he had a nervous breakdown and he resigned. And the people of Independence Boulevard came back and begged him, please stay, you can't, you can't leave us, please. And so he said he would try again. He would try to make it work. And shortly thereafter, an article appeared in a national magazine reporting that Dr. Combs was resigning again. He spent a few years resting and, and gardening and healing and feeling stronger again. And then he was invited to come and be our founding pastor. And here, he found the freedom to preach about the wideness of God's mercy, that God reaches out to all, and that we are all called to reach out with God's abundant and overflowing compassion. Just a couple of months ago, a man told me that his grandfather was a member here in the early days of the church. The grandfather headed a multinational corporation that was highly successful, but he had a nervous breakdown, and Dr. Combs came and held him and took care of him and got him through it, and he healed. Be compassionate as God is compassionate.